Welcome to the Chef of X podcast. Well, uh, my former case manager, Anthony, turned supervisor. Mm-hmm. He got terminated. This is a while ago. Uh, oh, it was still it was while well, still in session for summer quarter. Yeah, like about I'd say mid July. Uh, he's doing better now. In fact, he start he started today or yesterday. Wait, why did he get terminated? So he was having some issues with one of his uh, supervisees. Uh, he had that person. Well, I'll just name it. Gabriel was going to be difficult. He was like, um, essentially, he, there was an instance of insubordination. Uh, like he wouldn't listen to Anthony, and then like Anthony was like, "Okay, you know, you can have supervision under Nancy, or we can we can make this way to work." But he uh he didn't express, and he wanted to he wanted to terminate him just himself, but he never got around to doing it. Uh, and when when the other two supervisors, Brian and Annalilia, when they let him know that they were terminating him, they weren't clear about the reasons. Uh. Anthony thinks it's, uh, what's that? He wanted things to be done that they didn't want to do. So he's a challenging authority. That's what statistic was on it. Wait a minute. So uh, let me just, let's for clarity, go over this one more time. So there's this, you had a supervisor. And yeah. that's, something happened to that supervisor. This is like, you know, you guys work together. Yeah, and he used to be my clinician when I was in services, and then... Okay, yeah. and then he got terminated because he had a problem with someone else? Yeah, with some, one of his supervisees, yeah. Somebody, someone else he was supervising? Yeah. Were they on the same level as you? This was your peer? I wouldn't call it peer because he does have a... He does have a... He has a bachelor's in anthropology from UCLA, but he was new. He was actually... I started working there as an actual employee before he did. Uh, and then he just, this person got a lot of clout with Annalilia and was able to let the swing things that someone compared to someone who's been there four years. It was a bit unusual how it happened, but that's how it went down. What did the person from UCLA do? Uh, you said that person has problems with people, right? Yeah. What was the problem? So for example, uh, he had to go to court for a client or with a client. I don't think the client was there, but essentially he was supposed to tell Judge Manley that, hey, he's not doing well in treatment. You know, he's not going to groups. He's using. But Gabriel was uncomfortable saying that. And then as a result, he just ended up telling the judge, oh, he's trying. He's, you know, he's doing his best, but he didn't no, so he didn't full proper, story. He didn't properly. So he's supposed to be managing someone in the mental health court. Yeah. And he didn't properly report to the judge the true condition of his client. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then in, because of that, the supervisor got removed because of the misbehavior of the person wonder, working underneath him? Yeah. And what, what happened to the person who actually was making the mistakes and why was the supervisor removed? Uh, well, Anthony mentioned that since a couple, like one of the directors or the director, she left a year ago and then they got a new supervisor and then he was okay with that supervisor. But once that supervisor left, which was six months ago, or well, seven months ago, 
you began to feel uncomfortable and you wanted to leave, but someone was like, oh, just give the new management, you know, a, a couple months, and then if you don't like it, you can leave. And he's beginning, I guess this is not really answering the question because he's not sure himself. They weren't clear, but he's also beginning to, to dread work, felt depressed, and like, it wasn't. And this is the person who's dreading work was your supervisor. This is not yeah. the guy from UCLA. No. What did the guy who's, you know, your supervisor, what did he do wrong? Uh, they did mention he was giving time, uh, like essentially giving employees uh, work that they didn't not like saying if like oh I left at four but you know he was stayed till five thirty like when there's like nothing to do he's just like oh you can leave early that was one. Uh, that's one of the things that. Anthony did. Yeah. yeah and then said that's a violation of our policy or something. Yeah. Also like, oh, you might say like, okay, there's like a smaller target that's important, but the bigger picture is more important. And then the supervisors, other people will be saying, oh, let's focus on the small thing when they don't realize that, you know, there are bigger consequences and other places to look at. Mm. So he had a different vision too than yeah. the superiors. That would be a problem. Yeah. Or it could be a problem. Hmm. Well, it is what it is. So, yeah, your supervisor, he got thrown out, and now he's back. He's at uh, El Camino Hospital in Mountain View as a LCSW working in their inpatient unit. And he says it's basically like EPS, which he's one. What's LCSW? Licensed Clinical Social Worker. Okay. Yeah, you need to have a, a master's degree in order to get that and, and so on. I've, I looked at a little bit of the specifications just for my own like idea to see whether like this is something I want to do. Hmm. But yeah, so he's there. He says it's basically like EPS and he's really excited. It's a better job, better pay. The only thing he's complaining about, which is not, not really, is just the commute. But yeah, I met with him last week on Wednesday. We had lunch and he told me about this and we, we're, uh, we're still staying in contact, which is good because he really supported me when I first got out and fortunate to have developed a strong relationship with them yeah lucky you because what's her name ditched me as soon as i finished the the program <laughs> she was like i'm out never contact me again but it was uh, you know i didn't really need the support at that point hmm. yeah i guess that would be news if somebody that i uh had worked with like while i was in hard times out of jail dealing with my mental health shit if they got fired that'd be a big deal but then yeah. again, Stephanie got fired. <laughs> and that wasn't too big of a deal. She's still around at DeAnne's. I actually have her. I had her on my Tinder, actually, for a while. But uh, she took a, we took a picture when I went, out, went through the black grad. I invited two non-black people, Stephanie and uh, what's his name? Daniel. I didn't invite him, but he showed up. Yeah. Yeah, I think his name is Daniel, the funny dude, the white dude. <laughs> <laughs> So I was like, that's the most ridiculous fucking picture I have is me graduating from a community college, which is weird <laughs> in and of itself. Getting an AA is just weird because it's – I don't know if it's meaningful in this country. But then also to have these people who like, you know, in some weird, odd, sideways way were at one point considered like my mentors when in reality I'm, I feel like you know, I could mentor you guys on a lot of shit, to be real. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of them got fired. The other one, I don't even know what his deal is, but. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 
Uh, anyhow, that's good, man. What else? What else, what else is going on uh, besides your supervisor being thrown out of the program? That, uh, <laughs> You now made it through and uh, work for. Cause, so you got all your shit expunged already, right? Yeah. And yeah, also, yeah. Like I told you about the, the restraining order expiring. Yeah, yeah. done the six. Wait, so. which day? How many days away? Did it was on the, it was expired on the, the sixth. Oh, what is today? The Today's ninth? The, oh, no. <laughs> Whatever. Don't say it. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so, um, anyhow, that's. That's good. And you're yeah. going to meet up with your family. So yeah, how long did this restraining order, wh- what was it against your mom, your dad? My dad? So your dad put out a restraining order for you. What, what was the original was cause? The okay. Maybe the <laughs> what was that story and how is it as of up to date at the beginning, you were cool with your dad and then what were the events that transpired? And then how does that make this a celebratory moment for you that this is going away? Yeah, I was, I mean, the pe- people say are in mania, it's hard to remember what happened, but I remember relatively clearly. Uh, so it was just the day before, it was uh, what, the, the 11th, July 11th, 2016, I think. I didn't go to work. So I, I just, my parents did this thing where, like, if I didn't work or if I didn't work, like, immediately, like, in the morning, whatever, my dad would drive me to, like, the library or the community center. So then I was in the library on the computer. And I just didn't go to work at Marokai. And then they they called home. like, And then my dad was like messaging me on Google Hangouts saying like, go to work and whatever. How old were you at this time? 19. Mm. And had you finished high school? Yeah, yeah. Those okay. were my gap year. Gap year. So you finished high school. You took a gap year. You worked. Yeah. And then out of the blue, you just didn't go to work one day. Yeah. And then they called your house and your dad says through go. messenger. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then then I went home, I walked home and that was in the, it was like late at night. And then the next day I had an opening shift at Jamba Juice. I had to get there like at six. How many jobs did you have? I I just had two, Jamba Juice and Marokai. And then I was a recreation leader uh from June to August of that of 2015. Mm. Uh, then I, I had a Safeway job that I got shortly before graduating, but I got fired from the Safeway job because they, their schedules, they said the schedule that we had agreed upon, I was not honoring that. Mm. I didn't want that schedule to be going too restrictive. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so that, that day, which is July 12th, uh, I refused to go to work. I eventually went like, and with me half an hour late. And then after that, uh, well, I remember on the round the day because I got, yeah, and then it was the 13th. I didn't want to go. I didn't have work that day, but I I didn't want to go out like out of the home. And then all that's happened. And then, you know, my parents called my psychiatrist, which I hadn't been seeing for about five months. And he was like, oh, you don't need to see me anymore for now. And like, you don't need to take medication. So I've been off meds for a while. Mm. And then, then I just I was yelling, screaming, and then you know I pushed my dad down the stairs. Also poked him with a steak knife before. I called the police. You know I got arrested, went to jail. Spent 15 weeks, got out, got service as a gardener. Uh, and at first, Anthony tells me this too. You know when he asked me if I remember, like he, I didn't want to admit that I had a mental health problem, and I wanted to say like everything that happened was my dad's fault. 
And then right around when I started uh, the DV classes, which was what February 23rd, 2017, something just like changed, something clicked. I was able to realize that, you know, something happened and it was, you know, of my doing a lot. Yeah. So this whole process happened and, you know, soon I started going to school and I started, you know, recovering. And I still had contact with my family, uh, my mom, my brother. For a while, I couldn't see my dad because of what had happened. Uh, but I regained their trust. You know, I started working on myself too. Uh Met some people along the way. You included JP. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it's yeah. And then I started doing things. I just started. I was doing things I didn't think I'd be able to do before, yeah. uh, which is like succeeding in school. Uh, I think being happy, which I wasn't always uh, growing up, and then. Was a pure was an intern for Ed Gardner for a little bit, a couple of months. Uh, worked in Marokai. Went to De Anza, uh, and then I just I remember getting recognized that you know that some of the quarterly parties at Gardner, uh, and like part of the reason why I got hired as a pure mentor was because they saw that I was growing, you know, while I was in services, and then I graduated from court. What's it? Twenty uh, seventeen. No, it was twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. Yeah, it was March twenty ninth, twenty eighteen. I think. Mm. And then it took until around January twentieth, twenty second, something, twenty nineteen, to graduate from Gardner, and then then some months passed. But did you? Do you have to graduate from Gardner if you already gra- finished the court stuff? I think a lot of times when you graduate from court, like soon you just they close your case. Yeah, and but the case is the reason why you had to go to Gardner in the first place. Yeah, <laughs> I think part of it was that I was going to get like hired some opportunities, yeah, yeah, so I, I just want to yeah. keep in contact. And then the restraining order expired, and but the thing with going back home is that my mom's on the best health condition, mm. so. With the the flights, like the stories of her home, she she can barely like go up the stairs. So like most of the time, she's you know, essentially like trapped in a room. So they don't. We might be. They might be moving, and they don't know what we're gonna do with the house. We're gonna sell it. You know, give it to me. Who knows? Uh, and there's a lot of stuff like that's getting moved around. Just like we've accumulated so much, so many things over the years. So when uh the four of us met. My mom, my dad, my brother, and I, uh, we met a few times together when my brother was back from law school. But then one of the, towards the end of one of our dinners, uh, I just, I was like, hey, what about like going home? And then, then we talked about the pros and cons. Uh, and then my brother without taking position, you know, said that I could, we could have like a two week trial period, like when the fall quarter starts and like see like how this goes. And like maybe like I go back and like this brings back bad memories. I can't do this. Or my room sucks. But uh, I don't think we'll be even doing that. I talked to my mom and just like so much is going on with her. Uh, and you know, Anthony talked about like surrounding people who I want to be with, and 
who have like similar goals, ambitions. And at Heaven's Gate, to be honest, you know, most people don't think or don't have higher education as their next step or even as one in the future, more more distant. Uh, there are a couple exceptions. There's one guy who's going to school in uh, San Jose City. But for the most part, you, they, they might be employed or some of them don't even just collect SSI and they're okay with that. Uh, Can you describe yeah. Heaven's Gate? Because uh, it's I now that I'm completely out of the you know, San Jose kind of mental health court housing circuit. It's very uh, odd for me to describe it to people. But the, uh, like, two things that stand out are um, who your, who your uh, housemates are and the nature of how life works in those community living spaces. So, um, like, what are your... What is your house? You mentioned you had a house meeting, for instance. What are your responsibilities as a member of these uh, of Heaven's Gate? And also, what are the what's like the typical Heaven's Gate um, resident like? So to live there, you have to attend the three house meetings. Tuesdays they check your meeting slip. Thursdays uh, readings from the Big Book or the Twelve Traditions. Twelve Traditions. And that's AA stuff, right? Or NA. Yeah. Or NA. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Book, 12 Traditions. Yeah. And then Sunday is the weekly check-in. And along with those three in-house meetings, everyone's required to go to three outside meetings, at least. Uh, and are the house meetings uh, AA, NA meetings? Or are they discussing things going on in the house, like toilet paper? Oh, they're just, they're just like, general stuff. They're not... They're separate. Reason. They're separate from the yeah. outside stuff, yeah. And then there's sixteen, a maximum of sixteen people living there, uh, not including the assistant house manager and the house manager. Uh, there's two four-person rooms and four two-person rooms. Hmm. Uh, and then Lee gets his always well, in the reduced capacities. It's, it's, surgery but uh how do you apply to those houses i'm in the one of the four room ones or the four person ones no but i mean how do people oh. want to get in get in well for me i think you can get referred by the courts but for me it was just i wanted to do it because i just i got my one year at evans lane was up and i had looked at some other housing places but like some of them were like too strict like amicus house was like you have to go to six meetings a week <laughs> Yeah, you can't really do that. And this one was still close to Gardner, and it wasn't and there was Wi-Fi, and I knew some of the people at the time, so it didn't yeah. seem that bad. What's the rent? It's a uh, seven hundred. Well, I, I pay six eighty. Yeah, but that's up there. Yeah, and there's additional. Well, it's additional forty for food. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah six sixty plus forty to make seven hundred. And the food's not good. I mean, it's okay, but it's dinners, only one meal, Monday through Saturday. Sunday is usually sandwiches. And then when we do a spring cleaning on the first Saturday of the month, they get pizza. Spring cleaning for Saturday. So in winter, yeah, spring cleaning. <laughs> summer. Yeah. yeah. And then the thing about the meals is that you'll be lucky like three out of the six days to have like a couple servings of vegetables with what's being provided and never any fruit. 
So that's why places like Sacred Heart are important because they, you know, give out uh, produce in bulk and yeah. grains and so on. Now, you didn't have a history of addiction, but do you feel like you benefit from all these meetings, all these AA and NA meetings? Uh, to be honest, when I when I first go and started at Heaven's Gate, uh, I didn't even get make it to those Tuesday meetings because I had to work at, at Marakai for yeah. a while. And they never checked my meeting slip. And at that time, I was doing consistently about two meetings at Gardner, two groups. Sometimes I get three and somehow. But now, for the, for the longest time, I, I haven't gone to any meetings, and they don't say anything about it. Yeah. And sometimes, like, like the people I've grown a little close to at the house, they like to joke, like, Elliot, when are you going to do your meetings or whatever? They even like some, and then they just, oh, I'm playing with you, Elliot. But, like, no one is seriously, like, because in the beginning, I remember, like, uh, Lee asked, like, oh, what's your drug of choice? And Anthony was like, oh, you, you didn't, he doesn't have a drug or alcohol problem. And then, then later, I was like, Elliot, he was, what are you going to do about your meetings? And I told him about like, Electronics Anonymous and those groups, like in Cupertino, are far away. Did you ever go to one? No. No. Never? You got to go. I mean, <laughs> you've been saying that for years. <laughs> hey, maybe this is the right meeting for me. I would. I am interested in seeing what happens if you go to an Electronics Anonymous meeting. Because, first of all, you'd probably be the hardest person in those meetings. There'll probably be a bunch of people who love Pac-Man and this and that, but it's like yeah. you've kind of paid a heavy price for your what some might argue is an electronic thing. I don't see it really as that. It seems just to be a normal manic thing to me. But, you know, however, everybody can define their own thing differently. Um, you should actually go to one because, like, this is probably one of the only places where they have those types of meetings. Yeah, Maybe they have several options. But it's in Cupertino. <laughs> but I mean, Deanne's is in Cupertino. I'm pretty sure I could find a way to make it work. I have to look yeah. at the stuff again, refine them. Sure, for sure. Yeah. Well, well, I think this is time for uh, the most important question in the universe. Because <laughs> five minutes. Oh, that's, dude, I should, we could just stay until they card us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering how come nobody's packing up their shit. This is only for the people who aren't students. They don't know we're not students. Are they going to walk up to us and like, oh, you look like you're not a student? <laughs> Where's your fucking card? Like, we look like students. We are students. I think, I think somebody was looking for recommendations on Facebook and they mentioned one of the, and then we're in the Santa Clara library, like, like a similar rule to what's going on right, right here. But you can still stay, apparently, even if you have, if you're not a Santa Clara student, but you're just like a student just in a, a local student. area. Yeah. So. Because that's dumb that <laughs> you have to, like, the question becomes, like, how do you know that someone's not a student? Oh, we card you. But who, out of all these fucking people in here, who do you choose? You just yeah. profile them? <laughs> you don't look like a student prove it that other person who's reading this book well you know they're obviously students um let me actually uh refer back i knew that housing was one of the things i wanted to talk to you about but actually let me explain a little on my end so um i recently moved into a, an odd housing situation it's a living room <laughs> And I actually moved. I was thrown out of my other house, which was the dopest fucking house. 
it was a dome. I don't know if I explained this to you, but they have these domes at Davis. Yeah. And it's like the hippie houses, but they got taken over by the social justice warriors. And uh, they, long story short, they said, this dude is the most problematic dude here. Get him out. <laughs> like after one quarter, they threw me out. Well, they tried to throw me out, but they were a little sloppy with it, so they couldn't do it. Anyhow, um, then I ended up moving into a sublease in a normal apartment, and that was okay for the summer. And I just moved in September into my, uh, you know, my house outside of the domes, which is this living room. Uh, with this like ex physicist guy and this girl was like in and out of school. It's like an interesting mix, but they're not all like hardcore students. But they're also some of the more they're like I think of them in the same way that like I just think of them as intellectual oddballs, which makes them more interesting rather than less interesting. But anyhow, I barely know my own roommates, but whatever. Um since I moved in, I've, uh, one, realized the amount that this dome's living has affected my perception of housing, but also the way that living in San Jose has affected my perception of housing. Because I was thinking, man, when's the last time that I, like over the summer I had this, but when's the last time that I had a room with my own bed, right, not a bunk bed, that I could close the door and open the door whenever I want. <laughs> it's like probably 2015 has been the last time that's been the case. And that was the case when I was in the sublease. And uh, I thought, you know, I actually prefer this weird ass shit. It's actually transformed me because when I was in the domes, one of the things I did was build it. I turned it into a podcast studio where I just had microphones, cameras set up 24 seven and I would invite people over on the weekends and we just chop it up. And it's like it, everything was set up for that. You know what I mean? But um, because I was like sleeping on the floor and it was a small space and I was sharing it with this other pe person, it's two people to a tiny house. Um, and because of the drama that went down, I feel like I'm the version of me that I, the, the things that I liked about, extreme environments like Evans Lane and jail are I'm seeing them in a completely positive light and I still like them like I, I would think man it sucks that I'm in this room you know that I can't fucking leave <laughs> you know but it's also nice that you know I don't have to worry about it's almost like I can think freely in this room it's it, there's a certain freedom that has come along with being deprived of something and uh, that's how I feel about living spaces now. No, that's they just card everyone. State, what is that? <laughs> is that just California? Yeah. <laughs> well, whatever. I do have my baby ID, but uh, let's see if I had anything that we didn't. Uh, da, 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 da. What are you looking forward to right now? Besides the stuff that you already went over, so the restraining order is over. You might inherit a house, is what I'm getting out of that story. <laughs> 
and uh, your boss got fired, but now he's working somewhere else and he's happy. Yeah. <laughs> so besides that, I mean, what in your life, um, you know, is 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 kind of brand new? Because when I think of the restraining order, I say that's something that you've been waiting for for years, you know. Yeah. But what about within the last maybe one year, just six months or week? Um, pretty much done with writing my first draft for the UC prompts. Right, right. You're applying. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, Where do you want to go? I think I'm doing a tag with Davis, and then I'm also applying to San Diego, LA, and Berkeley, and then San Jose State. Mm. Uh, and no Princeton. <laughs> Where'd your brother go, by the way? He went to Harvard, oh, and I was at Yale, Yale Law School. Mm. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I'm going to have my parents look at it, my brother look at it. Then if I'm going to try to get permission from a couple of my instructors and my former supervisor at the Writing and Reading Center, see if they want to look at it. Mm. Uh, and well, the I was I've been listening to the the new Taylor Swift album. Oh, right. I forgot about this whole thing. <laughs> that came out August 23rd. And just to be clear, you've been into Taylor Swift since when? Since the beginning, right? Well, I think when I looked at like my medical reports, like it first said like sixth grade. Mm. Uh, that was on the medical reports? Something. Something from like, from like maybe my first Manning episode. Yeah. But I just, I do recall like I haven't, I wasn't a fan since when she started, which is back in 2006. But I do remember, like, vaguely, like... Well, I do actually... Not vaguely. I do remember singing along to, I think it was, like, Love Story in the Car, coming back from a soccer game. My dad was driving me. And then, then this, there was this girl that had a crush on me in sixth grade. Uh, and then I think her friend was like, oh, Jessica likes Taylor Swift. And, and she was like, no, I don't. No, I don't. Uh, but anyway... Uh, yeah, then... It, my first manic episode was, you know, the imaginary marriage of Taylor Swift. And before, for a while, like music wasn't that important to me. It wasn't until like, like after high school that oh I started That's... like getting CDs. Yeah. And actually like, then I started, I used Spotify for a while and then I made a Pandora account in March of 2015. And then I started heavily using it after I left uh, Evans Lane. Hmm. And then, then I got into like, I guess more artists. Wait a minute. So you like listening to Taylor Swift? Yeah. But when you're thinking of it, you're not thinking of you know having sex with her, marrying her. You just like the music now. But at the other point in time, you wanted to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, what was the? Because uh, I'm wondering, is there anything that's different between the manic desire for Taylor Swift and the normal one? Because it continues. Yeah. But you're not doing anything wild, right? No. It sounds like you just like the music. Yeah, and I think I, as much as possible, I guess I like the person as well. Uh, mm, okay, well, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. Because you've never met Taylor Swift. But, mm -hmm. I, but then again, she's a celebrity, so there's a lot of information <laughs> out there. Yeah. So you could piece together what she might be like. Yeah. That is, mm, that's interesting. It, whenever I have an experience that's similar to a paranoid episode or a manic episode, 
I immediately try to distance myself from it. You know, anything creepy about somebody's plotting against me, I immediately try to recognize, no, that's just manic shit. Fuck that shit, you know. (laughs) But for you, you seem to still side with Taylor Swift. You know, even after all these years, the episodes, it's like she's still you think she genuinely is cool. You don't see this as like maybe this is just a manic thing coming up. You're identifying with it like, no, this is genuinely me. I like Taylor Swift. Yeah. I remember one time I I, I usually call my mom once a week. I don't remember when it was, but one of the conversations a while back, she like asked me, like, oh, Elliot, do you still want to be with, with Taylor Swift? And I think I also remember talking about, like, in jail, like, you know, like, wanting to meet her. But this is, like, even since back, back, all the way back. And then my mom was kind of like, oh, you can like meet her like in a meet and greet or whatever. But the way I think of it, I, I feel like there's some kind of like, something that's not logical about it. But I think like, oh, when I think of meet and greets, it's like tens of millions of other people have done this with they're like, what makes this another meet and greet special? But it's a... Uh, it wouldn't be special. Yeah. So that's what I think. So then I'm like, <laughs> and then I think like, start thinking about impossibilities. Like, you know, like normal people don't become friends with or non-celebrities don't become friends with celebrities. It's just like, yeah, uh. it's unlikely. But also, there's a thing of like, whatever you like about Taylor Swift, there's people within your circuit that probably have those character traits, you know. But if you never test it out, you might be associating something with Taylor Swift that's really just something that you like in general. Taylor Swift's not the only fish out there, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Maybe not even the best for you. I mean, does Taylor Swift like people who had restraining orders in the past? <laughs> now there are people out there who do. <laughs> but probably not good old Swift. Hmm. All right. Well, we got to get out of here. So I guess we can do the most important question in the universe. You should, I'm going to let you finish chewing that, though. <laughs> put, put the mic close so we can hear that that scrumptious you know I was actually I was doing like a video test this summer and there were these two white chicks giggling off in the corner I was in like a public area and I said you know just like the problem I have today I have trouble framing myself right because I can't be sitting here and doing it so unless it's close enough it's it's weird Yeah. so I said you know what maybe they can help me out so I went over and said, you know, excuse me, I'm doing this thing, thing, whatever. And I already had the microphone set up, but I just didn't have the camera. And it was one camera back then. And uh, they were giggling and bullshitting about, you know, our ducks, birds, and some ridiculous stuff that they're, I don't know what they were doing. But, like, at some point, uh, one of them said, you know, um, we saw the microphones and we were wondering, um, do you do ASMR? And I said, no, I, I don't do that kid shit. I said, no. And they they were like, oh, you should. And then it stuck with me. And I've been going through life, you know, doing whatever I'm doing, washing dishes, doing laundry. But it, it, it reminded me of the, hearing you chew that shit reminded me of that moment because I'm like, well, honestly, when I think of the shit that I do with music, like you heard some of Grimy on Timey. When I think of that shit, a lot of it is just a spinoff of the podcast. You know what I mean? I wanted to learn how to do certain things so that I could do this. 
But if you can do this, you can also record music, it turns out, or record hip-hop stuff. It's not that hard. Uh, making beats is the only thing that's completely separate. But like capturing vocals, it's the same as doing podcasts. ASMR fits in that category. You know what I mean? I already own all the equipment I need. I just don't have any interest in it. But obviously other people do. <laughs> Anyhow, it is time for the, the most, most important, important question, question in, in the, the universe. universe. Pebble or boulder? <laughs> Pebble. That's right. 